0: Good morning, everybody. I am so uncontainably excited this morning because I have some very, 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 very valuable, important, and exciting news for you. So, whatever you're doing, stop doing it. Come over here to the TV, come over to the computer, come over to the phone, come over to the iPad, come out of the kitchen, come out of the bathroom, come out of the bedroom, come over here. I got something for you to hear. I've got um, one, two, three, four, five. Five things for you to hear. Very important things, so tune in. Are you ready? Number one, number one, we are going to offer live, in-person services beginning March 14th at the Shaw campus. So beginning March 14th, that's not very far away, Sunday, March 14th, I'm going to be preaching here on Sunday, March 14th at the Shaw campus. And you are invited to attend. Now, you're going to have to register. There's going to be a limited number of people. We're going to follow all of the procedures and protocols. We'll get you a link where you can register. We're going to socially distance and mask. We're going to do everything that we're supposed to do. But we are slowly beginning to break back into live services. That's March 14th. Sunday, Easter Sunday, April 4th. Guess what? Just take a wild guess. Just take a wild guess. You have no idea. Ready? Live at both campuses, live at the Tivoli, live at Shaw campus, live everywhere. Uh, One Family Kids is going to be operating everything that you are accustomed to when we were live and in person is happening again uh, on Easter Sunday at both campuses. Again, we will follow all the protocols you will need to register. We'll get you all of the details about that. The question you should be asking at this point is what about after Easter? So what happens after Easter? We are working on that very diligently right now. We are working very diligently to secure a permanent location at the Tivoli. And, of course, we have the Shaw campus. That's all I'm going to say about that. Just know that there is a lot of work and energy and time and and, and effort and prayer going into what happens after Easter. Um, Next Sunday, I'm launching a brand new series called Relationship Status, um, we're going to explore all of the dysfunctional relationships in the Bible, and it's going to be so fun. You get to you get to you get to look at other people's dysfunction uh, in order to learn how to not be dysfunctional yourself. That starts next Sunday. Don't miss that. That's going to be a really great series. Um, and then I just want to let you know that a lot of the things that we are uh, rolling out in the next few weeks, a lot of the shifts and changes. Um, that we are going to be making. We're going to be announcing them via video. They're going to be small, short videos released with all of the information. So if you want to stay up to speed and you want to understand what's going on and stay informed, please subscribe. Take a moment right now and just hit the subscribe button on the YouTube channel or on Facebook or both. Um, But that is how we are going to be conveying information to you. If you want other people to see this broadcast and other people to know what's going on at One Family Church, please hit the like button on YouTube and on Facebook. That helps uh, the algorithm share the video with everybody else. (laughs) Amen. Amen. And we're gonna close. That's it. Thank you so much for coming. It's really been wonderful to see you all. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, we're going to uh, dive into the last installment of Promised Land this morning. This is the last installment. So let's take a moment calm our excitement, (laughs) and take a deep breath, and let's pray, and let's get ready to hear from God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this series. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that you communicate with us. We thank you, Lord, for the promises that you have put out in front of us. We thank you, Lord, for the power that you have put inside of us, and we thank you for the purpose that you have put upon us. Uh, We ask, Lord God, that you would continue to strengthen us and empower us to lead your people, God, lead this city, lead this community, lead this nation, be a light to the world, God. I pray that every single one of us, Lord, would shine brightly by the power of your grace and by the power of your gospel. Let us be your vanguard. Let us be your ambassadors. Let us be the salt and light to those around us. Father, we pray this to your honor, praise, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm going to dive right into the scripture for this morning's sermon, we're going to start looking at Joshua, chapter three, verse one. Let me just tell you where we are in the story. Uh, the Israelites have been wandering around. They were freed from Egypt. They've been wandering around in the desert. Uh, they have been eating the the manna from heaven. They've been following the cloud of fire by night and the, and the cloud by day. They've been they've been following God, but they've been Fearful. They've been afraid. They've been misstepping and being misguided and getting distracted and getting discouraged and falling away. But finally, after 40 years of wandering, they're now up against the river Jordan, about to cross over into the promised land. And that's where we are right now. Joshua 3, verse 1 says this Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. Now, I don't know about you, but like when I tell a story, I don't like to tell the end of the story at the beginning. I like to hold the the suspense. I like to keep the tension of the story and not tell the end of the story right at the beginning of the story. But this scripture, if you look at it, it says they camped right before crossing over. So They've given away the end of the story right in the very beginning of the story. We already know from the very first verse that they're going to win. They're going to prevail. They're going to cross over this river, and they're going to enter into the promised land. Can I just take a moment and remind somebody, if you're a follower of Jesus, we actually know how your story ends. Can I just take a moment to remind somebody who's going through something right now, who's kind of stuck in the morass and the muck and the mire of your life right now, can I just remind you how your story ends? Can I just remind you that you worship the God who is the Alpha and the Omega, who is the beginning and the end, who knows the, 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 the eternal past from the eternal future, who knows it all, who sees it all, and is with you right now and is guiding you? I don't care what experience you are going through. You might be struggling in a relationship right now that just seems like it has clouded your mind and you don't know how you're going to make your way through it. Your job is all messed up and you don't even know how you're going to navigate your way through it or if you even should navigate your way through it. You, you, you might have a health Situation right now, or a family member, or a child, or a parent that's struggling right now, and you are so blinded by that moment, by that circumstance, by the present moment, that you don't even see that you already know the end of your story. You worship a resurrected Savior, and He is going to be with you, and He is going to cross over the Jordan with you. Would you just remember that He's going to part the waters? Could you just take a moment and remember that? Remember that God knows the end from the beginning. That's that's not my sermon. That's just the first verse. And I'm not going to preach on every verse. But I just want you to know that. Whatever pain, whatever problem, whatever heartache, whatever heartbreak you're experiencing right now, remember you know the end of the story. The scripture says after three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. Here's what they said. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Follow it. Follow the Ark. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. Verse 5. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And the Lord said to Joshua, Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, and here's what I want you to get, all right, everybody. Here's what I want you to get. When you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. This morning, I want to preach for just the next few moments on the subject. Get your feet wet. Somebody, get your feet wet. On Sunday, March 7, 1965, a group of about 600, mostly African-American men and women, set out on a 54-mile march from Selma, Alabama, to Montgomery, Alabama, in an effort to persuade and convince uh, state lawmakers to extend to them the constitutional right to vote. For several years... Uh, Many of you know this history. Southern state legislators had passed a series of discriminatory laws that prevented African Americans the legal right to vote. And these marchers were seeking justice. They were seeking uh, their constitutional right from local officials. Unfortunately, the marchers did not get very far. In fact, they only got about six blocks on this 54-mile march. As soon as they crossed the Edmund Pettus Bridge, they came face to face with a large troop of Alabama state troopers who began to drive them backwards across the bridge with tear gas and billy clubs. One of the organizers of the march, a woman uh, known as Amelia Boynton, a 54-year-old woman, was struck across the back and the neck by a trooper who was on horseback until she lost consciousness the picture of her unconscious on the bridge uh, became a global sensation within minutes the protesters were driven back across the bridge back to selma their efforts thwarted and their hopes dashed the march later came to be known as bloody sunday In the weeks that followed, the marchers, some of them, became discouraged, wondering whether their efforts would ever see the light of day. Others of them became disillusioned, wondering whether any of this was even worth it, wondering whether there was any hope in life itself. Some of them became distracted. They had to turn back to the pressing issues of their life and of their day, and it was hard to keep their eye on the prize when the prize seemed so unattainable. All of us know what it feels like to have our hopes dashed and our dreams thwarted in our own life. All of us know what it feels like to be faced with circumstances, hardships, And difficulties and pain and problems that seem to be outside of our scope and outside of our control. All of us know what it's like to feel discouraged. We all know what it's like to feel disillusioned. We all know what it's like to get distracted from the prize. We've heard the promise in our lives, but we just haven't seen the progress. We all know what that feels like. We've all had these moments where we put our head in our hands and we say, God, I don't know, I don't know what you want me to do, but I can't see a way forward. I can't see a way forward in the the mess of this relationship. And I cannot see a way forward in the mess of the of the pain that I'm feeling in my heart. And in my mind, I can't see a way forward in the, in the career that I believed you had for me. I can't see a way forward, God, in, in the ministry that, you have, uh, that you've called me to. I can't see a way forward for the child that I love that I can't reach. I can't see a way forward for the parent who is struggling. And I can't reach them. I can't connect with them. I can't find them in the midst of their pain. We've all experienced that. We know what that feels like, and that's where the children of Israel are in this moment. They're they're discouraged. Many of them are, are discouraged. All they've done their whole life, many of them, all they know is wandering in the wilderness. Their parents were slaves in Egypt. Their grandparents were slaves in Egypt. They've never seen the promise. This is all they know. Many of them are disillusioned. They're saying maybe we shouldn't even, this is maybe a, a faulty enterprise from the beginning. Maybe we should just go back and just back to Egypt, back to slavery, back to bondage. Many of them are distracted. It's, it's so hard to keep your eye on the prize when it's so far away. And so you start to look for other things to grab your heart, your mind, your attention. But I want you to see something today because in this passage, God is speaking to us to you, and he is demonstrating how we are to focus on him, how we are to pursue him, how we are to continue pursuing his promise and his purpose and his power, even when the circumstance seems dire. Here's what I want to show you. I want to go back and show you step by step what he is demonstrating to us in this passage. If you remember, look back at verse 2. It says this. Joshua said, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, and and, and you see the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions, and then he says, follow it. Follow it. Why do you need to follow it? He says, then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. Here's what I want to tell somebody. Here's what I believe God is telling All of us in this passage, he's saying to you and me, if you are tired of failing, then start following. If you are tired of wandering, if you are tired of going round and round in a cycle of uncertainty and confusion, if you're tired of coming up near the prize but then falling back away, if you're tired of failing, he says, I want you to start following. One of the most important but overlooked aspects of the, of the efforts of those who were marching uh, towards uh, Montgomery uh, was the fact uh, of their motivation. The fact that what motivated them was a deep faith in God. Was a deep and abiding trust in Jesus. They were actually trying to live out uh, the great commandments. They were actually trying to live out the sermon on the hill. They were trying to, 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 to live out God's truth and God's justice. They were trying to, to live out God's righteousness. And that's why they were able to keep coming back and fighting again and again because they knew who they were following. I think for many of us, we have lost our way because we have forgotten who. We are called to follow. We are following our own voices. We're following the voices of others. We're following distractions. And we have gotten lost because we have forgotten who we're following. We've got the wrong coordinates plugged in. We're following the wrong map, and so we're not getting to the location where we were striving to get. This last week, we took... um, some of the members of our staff down to Dallas to a conference, and we had a great time. We learned a lot. Uh, we we enjoyed ourselves a great deal, and and um, we were exposed to some really valuable and important information. And on our way back, we we uh, we were in two cars because we had uh, eight people, and so I was driving one of the cars. And um, one of our staff members was was navigating, and I won't embarrass I won't embarrass the staff member by, by telling their name. But um, Jennifer Williams was um, navigating, <laughs> and na- Jennifer is great at navigating. I mean, the staff member, the unnamed staff member, I'm sorry, uh, is great at navigating, and and you know tells you way in advance, turn left in a half a mile, turn right, you know, come around this corner. It was, it was really great, great navigating. So we get all the way to the airport seamlessly. We pull into the rental car return place seamlessly, perfectly. We park the car, and we're about to get out. we got, we got time. We're good on time. We've got maybe 40 minutes or maybe an hour before our flight. We're fine. And then somebody in the back of the car, and I can't remember who it was. Honestly, I can't, or I would call him out. But it was either Ernest or Jennifer or Rebecca. I don't, I don't remember who it was. But anyway, somebody said, is this the right airport? Now, if you've, ever been to da- <laughs> if you've ever been to Dallas, you know there are two airports. There's Dallas-Fort Worth, and there's Dallas-Love Field. Well, we were supposed to fly out of Dallas-Love Field, but we had been given perfect directions to Dallas-Fort Worth. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen a pastor drive fast to a different airport, but um, let me just tell you, there was some speeding going on down in Texas last week, and, 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 and to the surprise of all of us, we squeaked in right under the radar and made it there. It wasn't that we were not following directions. We were just following the wrong directions. It wasn't that we didn't have a map, we were just following the wrong map. A lot of times you and I in our lives, we keep finding ourselves in places where we're not supposed to be, Because we have followed the wrong map. We have put the wrong coordinates into our internal GPS system. And we have driven seamlessly to the wrong location. And then we don't know how to get to where we started to try to go in the first place. A lot of us in life are struggling. And God is saying, I want you to stop struggling. I want you to stop failing. But if you want to stop failing, I need you to follow me. I need you to follow. Don't follow you. Don't follow your friends. Don't follow your Facebook folk. Don't follow those on Twitter and on Instagram. Follow me, he said. In fact, he said, I want you, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, I want you to look at it, and I want you to follow it. I'm not going to get into all of the details about the Ark of the Covenant. I just want to say this briefly about it. It was a large chest made of acacia wood. It was covered with gold. It was hard to miss. It was up on the on the shoulders of the priests and uh, and, and, and the, the Levites, uh, it contained the staff of Aaron, it contained two golden plates with the Ten Commandments, and it contained a bowl of manna. And those who study this closely uh, tell us that the staff signifies God's leadership. In other words, God will guide you. The tablets signify God's authority, meaning that God will guard you. And the bowl of manna signifies God's provision, meaning that God will grow you. So the God who loves you wants to guide you. He wants to guard you and he wants to grow you, but you've got to follow him. You have got to follow him in all that you do. I want to invite those of you who are maybe tuning in for the first time, or those of you who've been watching for a while and you haven't made a commitment, I want to give you an opportunity to follow God's voice, to follow God's command, to follow God's uh, uh, word, and to take a step closer to him today. I'm going to be offering step one. This is our membership session Today, right after service at 1045, I'm going to offer it live on Zoom. There's a link below in the description and in the chat. I want you to join me. I want you to take a step here at the very beginning of February and say, God, okay, I am ready to take a step toward you. I am ready to begin following you and stop following myself. I want to get to the promise and the purpose, the plan that you have for me, and I'm going to stop following me and I'm going to start following you. If you're already a member, I'm going to still, I've got something for you too. We're launching life groups today. If you want to grow in God's uh, uh, knowledge and grace and power and faith, I want you to join a life group today. There, There are dozens of life groups on our website. Go on there, join a life group, and begin taking those steps. God is saying to somebody today, stop wandering around. If you want to stop failing, start following. If you want to stop running up against uh, impossible scenarios, wandering around in the desert, finding yourself lost and dismayed, finding yourself at locations where you don't belong, start following me today. And then in the next verse, it's really interesting what Joshua says. He he says, I want you to follow the ark. Okay, I want you to follow that ark. And then he says this in verse 5 consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. I want God to do amazing things in my life. I want God to do amazing things in your life. I want God to do amazing things at one family church. I want him to do amazing things in this city. The precursor to the amazing things is what he says in this verse five. He says, consecrate yourselves. Now, that's not a word we use that's not a, a normal word in our vocabulary. All it means is to set yourself apart. Consecrate means to it implies purification. It implies a cleansing. It implies a purifying. It it implies a setting apart from where you were into something new so that God can prepare you for where he's going to take you. That's what it means. It means separating yourself from some of the things that have been dragging you down, that have gotten you stuck, separating yourself, setting yourself apart so that God can take you where he wants you to go. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you want to step forward, You've got to step away. If you want to step forward, there are some things in your life that you need to step away from. There are some things that you need to put away in your mind. There are some things that you need to step away from in your heart. There are some things you need to step away from in your conduct. There's a a, a calling, a consecration, a sanctification that needs to take place in our hearts in order for God to bring us into his promise. My son Augustine, his favorite... His favorite activity is collecting rocks. What he loves to do is to get me by the hand, go to the creek at the park behind our house, go down into the creek bed and look for rocks. And he goes down and he finds himself just the right rock and he washes that little rock off and he puts it in his little pouch. Then he takes it home, he gets it up to the sink, he scrubs that rock and I don't don't know what he sees in that rock. It's just a rock to me, but he sees something in it and then he puts that rock on his shelf and he treats that rock like it's a diamond. a diamond. He, he, that's his thing. That's what he loves to do. Some of us today, we just need to remember God has, Pulled us up out of the muck and the mire. He's drawn us out of the of the of the of the miry clay, as the script as the as the song says. He's pulled us out. He has washed us by the by the blood of the lamb. He has cleansed us, and we are his masterpiece, sitting up on the mantle. He is he is loving us. It is his glory that is emanating from us, but we forget that, and so we find ourselves navigating down to the muck and the mire, getting back into those things which don't bring God glory and honor. And God said, no, I, I, that's not who you are. That is not who you are. I've already chosen you. I've already plucked you out. I've already washed you clean. I want you to live out the life that I've called you to live. I want you to, the scripture says this, put off the things of the flesh. Put off the things that, uh, uh, that, that, that bring corruption and toxicity in your life. Put on the things of the spirit. In fact, the, the apostle Paul tells us very clearly, Galatians 5, what he means by this. It says this, Galatians five nineteen. The acts of the flesh, he said, are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, and all the other stuff. All that kind of stuff. He says, you know what I'm talking about. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. I want you to consecrate yourself. You've already been drawn out. Just know who you are. Your identity has already been transformed by the grace of God. Now just step into your identity. Step up into who you really are. Consecrate yourself. Take off those things which no longer identify you, which no longer describe you. And step into who you really are. He says this, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, crucified it with his passions and desires since we live by the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us, church, can we just consecrate ourselves? Can we just say, God, we, we, we thank you for what you have made us. And we want to live into it. We don't want to find ourselves back in the, in the dirty creek bed of life. We want to be shining examples of what you've called us to be, what you've made us to be, reflections of your glory. We want to live that life, God, for you. Because we know that when we live that life, people will see us and they will honor our Father in heaven. Can we do that? We're we're, going to launch 40 days of prayer and fasting here in a a couple weeks. Um, I believe it's uh, February 17th. February 17th, we're launching 40 days of prayer and fasting. I'm going to get you all the information about it. I want you to stay tuned. If we don't have your email, fill out a connection card. I'll keep you posted on, on all of it. But as a church community, as a family, we are going to spend 40 days praying and fasting and seeking God. It's gonna lead us right up to Easter Sunday, and then we're gonna celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But we're gonna take some time, and we're gonna consecrate ourselves. We're gonna spend some time purifying our hearts, purifying our minds. There's some stuff in there, in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirits, in our actions that need to be extracted so that we can focus on what God has for us, so that we can step in to the promise that he has. He has amazing things, for you. He has amazing things for us. Follow him. Consecrate your heart. And this is what happens when we do these things. When we put our heart and affection and our purpose and our passion all towards God. Avoiding the distractions and the discouragement and the disillusionment that threaten to pull us down. This is what happened. It says in verse 15. As soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan, And as soon as their feet touched the water's edge, I like the King James Version. King James Version said, as soon as their feet dipped into the water, as soon as they stepped into the water, as soon as they got their feet wet, the water from upstream stopped flowing. You see, it it didn't stop flowing so they could take a step, they took a step and then it stopped flowing. Today, some of y'all are waiting for God to clear the path before you're ready to take a step. God says, no, that's not how it operates. I want you to take a step, then I'm going to clear the path. I want you to get your feet wet. I want you to take a step of faith. I don't want you to wait until the circumstances are pristine. I don't want you to wait until everything around you is just perfect and everything is just right. I want you to take a step now right in the midst of the pain, right in the midst of the heartache, right in the midst of the heartbreak. I want you to take the step now and then let me clear the path for you. Somebody today needs to take a step. 14 days after the tragedy on the Edmund Pettus Bridge, 1965. Two weeks, two weeks after Bloody Sunday, the marchers reassembled. This time, instead of a few hundred marchers, there were over 3,000 marchers. And Amelia Boynton, one of the lead organizers, the one who had been beaten unconscious in the first march, was on the front lines again. This time, rather than being stopped by members of the Alabama state troopers, they were being protected by nearly 2,000 members of the Alabama National Guard. The the, the pain, the the, the anger, and the threats were being held back. And with every step they took, more and more and more people began to join the march. They averaged about 12 miles a day and they slept in the fields at night and they marched by day. And by the time they got to, to Montgomery, There were 25,000 marchers marching for justice, marching for freedom, marching for hope. Within five months, President Lyndon Johnson signed the Voting, uh, Voting Rights Act of 1965, ensuring the constitutional right of all Americans to exercise the constitutional right to vote. You see, sometimes we run up against hardships and pain. and Sometimes we run up against difficulties and and, and problems. Sometimes we run up against fear and anxiety. Sometimes our hearts grow disillusioned. Sometimes our hearts grow discouraged. Sometimes our minds get distracted. God's saying, hey, come on. I want you to take a step. I want you to get your feet wet. I want you to keep coming. Keep coming toward me because I've got to a promise for you. I, I just, I need you to, to take a step. Last thing I want to say. Last point, if you're taking notes, if you're a note person, if you want to get through it, if you want to get through it, you've got to get in it. You've got to step in it. You've got to walk in it. You've got to be willing to take the steps even before you can see the outcome, even before you can see what's on the other side, even before you can see the promise that sits before you. you got to take a step. 700 years after the Israelites stepped into the water, there was a, there was a leader uh, of the armies. His name was Naaman. He had leprosy, and he was very sick. And he wanted so badly to be cleansed of this leprosy. And he didn't know what to do. He, he went to the man of God, a man named Elisha. And Elisha said, here's what you got to do, Naaman. you got to go down to the river. And you got to dip yourself seven times in the river. And then the leprosy will be washed away. In fact, Elisha didn't even come out to tell him that. He sent somebody to tell him that. This made Naaman very angry. Who does this guy think he is? I was, expect, he literally, I was expecting him to come wave his hand over me and heal me. people said, well, you should listen to the man. He said, go into the river. See, Elisha said, look, here's the thing. I want you to get your feet wet. I want you to humble yourself. I want you to take a step and do something that you might not even understand. Naaman goes into the river seven times. He comes up leprosy free. Went back to Elisha and said, I'm going (laughs) to serve your God. I'm going to serve your God. 700 years after that, just like the Israelites were trying to cross over the The Jordan River, Jesus' disciples were trying to cross over the Sea of Galilee. Storm came. Terrified. Waves, wind. Peter's in the boat. They see something coming across the water. Looks like a ghost. They say, what is this? Jesus says, don't be afraid. It's me. Peter says, if it's you, then tell me to come out on the water. Jesus said, come on, Peter. I want to see you get your feet wet. You see, God, Jesus didn't stop the storm in order to give Peter the courage to take the step. Peter had to take the step, and then Jesus calmed the storm. There was an Ethiopian on his way down to Ethiopia from Jerusalem. After Jesus had died, buried, and, and rose from the dead, he came across a man named Philip. He's reading the scroll of Isaiah. Philip says, let me tell you what this means, and he explains the gospel and they're riding along the chariot, and Philip talks to him about baptism. The Ethiopian sees a river along the side of the road, and he says, well, there's water. What, what stops me? He says, I'm ready to take a step. I'm ready to get my feet wet. I'm ready to do what you've called me to do, God. I'm ready to take that step to get my feet wet. Some of you today, God is saying, look, I want you to get your feet wet. I want you to take a step. I I know the circumstances may not be perfect for you. And I know that you might not even be able to see where it's all going and where it's all leading. But I want you to break through your fear. And I want you to break through your discouragement and your disillusionment and your distractions and focus on me and take the step that I'm calling you to take. I want you to get your feet wet. Today I'm closing by inviting you, if you are not a follower of Jesus, Or maybe you are a follower of Jesus, but you're not part of the body of Christ. I want you to take a step. I want you to get your feet wet. I want you to come with me today at 1045. We're going to go through step one. This is our membership session. 1045 on Zoom. There's a link in the description. There's a link down below. I want you to take a step. But it's not perfect, but the kids are going crazy, but I don't know if I can. Take the step. Get your feet wet. Don't be afraid. God's got a promise for you on the other side. I want you to join a life group today. Take a step. Get your feet wet. But I don't know these people. How are we going to do this? I don't like Zoom. Get your feet wet. All right? Take a step. Uh, today, if you're if you if you're a member of our church and you haven't, or if, or if this is your church home and you haven't participated uh, with us and partnered with us to advance the mission through your giving, through your generosity, take a step. Get your feet wet. Be a part of what God's calling you to do. Be a part of expanding the gospel, not only here, but around the world take a step. Get your feet wet today. As we close, I want to invite you to join us as we take the bread and the cup. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, the scripture says he broke bread. He gave it to his disciples. And he said, eat, this is my body that is broken for you. And then he poured out the cup and he said, drink, this is the blood of my covenant is being poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As hard as it was for Jesus to take the step that he took, he took the step for you, for me. His body was broken. His blood was spilled. He gave himself as a sacrifice that you might be pulled up out of the muck and the mire, the dirty creek bed of life, washed off and shown as a bright and beautiful gem, expanding and 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 um, reflecting the glory of God to all of those around you. I, I'm so thankful that you're with us today. I hope that you will join us. Let me close us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we we thank you for just this opportunity to hear your word i pray that those who are listening to my voice right now would not be afraid discouraged disillusioned but that they would respond to the invitation They would come to step one they would become a member of the family they would come and and see what what it's all about lord to to follow you with heart soul mind and body pray i pray that those who are already members of our community would join a small group would join a life group uh, and begin to grow in their faith, Lord God. I pray that all of us, Lord, would look forward to the 40 days of prayer and fasting that are coming and look forward to begin reconnecting and regathering and re-entering, Lord God, um, not just the, the digital space, but the physical space as well. Father, I thank you for this opportunity uh, to, to to preach your word today and to experience the power of your word in my life and, and to be able to proclaim it uh, to all of those who are listening. Father, we give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.